right. How's everybody doing? Solid. So I'm going to start off real quick just by uh, giving thanks where thanks is due. Uh, thank you, Pastor Jordan, uh, for allowing me to come here and speak in front of all of you. Um, it's always an honor to be invited up here, and I'm always surprised every time they ask me because I feel like I blow it, but it's fine. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in pretty quick. And when I was trying to think of what to talk about, um, I started to get like really bad allergies around that time. So I decided like, hey, let's go ahead and talk about that since that's what I'm dealing with right now. So I want to tell you guys the story of how I first realized I had allergies because I didn't always know that I had them. But I, I was young and we were going on a vacation and it was somewhere dry, somewhere with no foliage or anything like that. And when I got out of the car, I took in one big breath and I breathed in more oxygen than I thought was humanly possible. And I felt amazing. I felt energized. I felt stronger. I just climbed on all of the rocks I could find, not because they gave me a better view, but because I could. And it felt awesome. And then when I got back home, I got out of the car and I took in a massive breath again and it was just snot, all of it. And I was like, whoa, okay, what the heck? How, how did this happen? That's not cool. So I went to the doctor and I was like, okay, what's going on? He's like, you have allergies. And I'm like, cool, all right, what do I do? And he said, well, you can take this and you know, it might, it might cut back on some of it or if you take this, it might make it easier for you. I said, I mean, that's great, but I don't want your drugs. Tell me, what can I do to, to get rid of it? And do you know what he said? Anyone? Anyone? Move. <laughs> he said, the only way that you can get rid of allergies around here, if you have them, is to move to a different state. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm fine breathing out of one nostril. <laughs> um, but I had a teacher whose husband, he had some sort of, lung disease or heart disease or something like that and it was pretty serious but he got surgery and they fixed all of it and he was fine except that the doctor told him you need to move out of uh, this part of Indiana you need to move to another state because if you don't you're gonna die um, so yeah he had it a lot worse than I did but he picked up his whole family and they moved because if obviously if he stayed in this area it would literally kill him um, so the way I kind of want to relate that to what I'm talking about is the surgery fixed him, but in order to stay healthy, he had to move away. And when we go to camp, you know, everyone's got something when they go to camp that they want fixed. They're like, you know, I'm, I've been kind of depressed. I, I want to be free from that. Or I'm addicted to something. I want to be free from that. Or, um, you know, maybe like you're injured and you want to be healed or something like that. And you go to camp and camp's sort of like your surgery. You get there, it's awesome, the presence is there, and that thing gets fixed. And you come home and you feel great. But just like how he had to move, there's some things that you have, that you do, that are hurting you. And if you come back and you don't fix those things, then you're going to be worse off than when you started. And 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22 says, And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then they get tangled up and enslaved in sin again, they are worse off than before. 
It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and reject the command that we were given to live a holy life. They, I like this part. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit. And another says a washed pig returns to the mud. So basically what that is saying is, you know, when you go back to your same lifestyle, when you come home and you go back to all the things that you did before, you're essentially just as good as a dog going back to its own vomit, which isn't good. I want you guys to just picture that real quick. Let that sink in. Really feel that. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been beating around it, but, like, what, what are the things that are hurting you? So when you go to camp, you get healed, and when you come back, what are things that you need to avoid? There's music. There's a lot of bad music out there. Um, I've listened to some of it. You've listened to some of it. We've all listened to some of it. Um, TV shows, things you watch on YouTube, friends that you're around. You know, I'm, I'm not saying get rid of all TV, get rid of all music, get rid of all of your friends, start over completely. Um, but I am saying that there's definitely things out there that hurt you. And a lot of times you can kind of figure out what they are especially when you come back from camp, because you come back from camp, you have that on you. You go to do the old things, and at the very beginning of that, you, you have like a tiny bit of conviction, like, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. But then you do. And the problem with that is God wants you to keep everything that he gave you at camp. He wants you to keep that, and he wants to do more, and he wants to grow on that, and he wants to push you forward. But he can't do that if when you come back, you're going to go back to all the things that you did before. That's limiting him in, in literally every way. And then once that happens, you look at yourself and you're like, man, what the heck? You know, I got, I got delivered from depression. I got delivered from anxiety. I got healed. Why am I back here again? But that's like, you know, if there's a fat person and they lose 100 pounds and then they go back to eating burgers and drinking milkshakes and then they gain 100 pounds and they look in the mirror and they're like, what the heck? Like, I just lost all of this. How is this all back? Well, you know how it's back. You just shoved your face full of junk. So when you go to camp, you lose all of that weight, and then you come back, and you go and do the same things that you did before camp, and then when you're depressed again, you're like, hey, what's going on? Why am I depressed? Well, you know why you're depressed. You went back and you did all of the same things again, and that's why it's so important to cut it out. And it's, it's important to cut it out sooner rather than later. Because the longer you're in it, the less that you're really going to realize that you're in it. And eventually you're going to get to a point where you're just like, well, you know what? I'm fine. Like, I'm listening to this music that's not good for me, but I'm fine. And I'm watching shows that I shouldn't, but it's fine. And yeah, I got these friends, and they're not right, and they're kind of influencing me in the wrong way. But you know what? Like, I'm okay. Nothing's wrong. But the only reason you're saying that is because you don't know how much better it can be. And I've been on both sides of it. I've come home from camp, and I've absolutely blown it like a week after camp, just threw everything away. And then I've also come home from camp, and I've made sure to cut out the right things. And it is so much better to do it that way, to keep that relationship with God. But it's not necessarily the only thing that you need to do. Once you cut stuff out, 
that's great. That's the first step to grow your relationship and move forward. But that's not the only thing that you have to do. Because once you cut stuff out, you're going to have a little bit of extra time on your hands. And, you know, all of you know where I'm going with this. What do you need to fill that with? Reading your Bible, praying, worshiping God. You know, show God that you want a relationship with him. Because when he sees that you want a relationship, then all that's, that's it. He can come into your life immediately and fix everything. And, and it's going to be way faster and way better than you ever thought it could be. Um, Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I am standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you and you, oof, and you will feast with me. So, you know, you, you have the easiest job in this scenario. All you have to do is open the door. Jesus, he got in his car he drove down from heaven. He said there's going to be a feast, but you don't have to make anything. So that means he probably grabbed like some McDonald's on the way, and he rings your doorbell. He knocks on the door. All you have to do is open it. That's the easiest job. So when I say you have to read your Bible, you have to pray, listen to more worship music, I'm not saying listen to five hours of worship music. I'm not saying read the whole Bible tomorrow. I'm not saying listen to all of Hillsong. You probably should anyway. But I'm not saying go and do all of that right now. In fact, if, if you don't have uh, a consistent prayer life or a consistent, um, like if you don't read the Bible daily, I would say don't do that because you're going to burn yourself out immediately if you go and try and pray for five hours. That's not going to work. Just start small. Just find times here and there. You can do it when you first wake up. You can pray. You can read your Bible. You can do it before you go to bed. If you drive, you can pray in the car, or if you're just riding in the car, if you shower, which hopefully you all do, you can pray in the shower. And like I said, it doesn't have to be long. However long the drive is, you know, five, ten minutes, whatever, however long you want to do it in the morning before you got to go to school, five, ten minutes, you don't have to find a lot of time, and you don't have to do it for that long. But just starting, just, just giving God that little bit, showing him, yes, I want a relationship with you. I'm putting in the effort. I'm, I'm putting in the work. God's going to see that, and he's going to honor it, and he's going to come into your life, and he's going to use that to do so much more than you ever thought he could, just with that, that little amount. So don't lose the connection you made with God at camp. Just keep it fresh. Keep it strong. I always say, you know, there's like the, the two kind of different friends at camp. There's the one that you see, and I guess this applies to school too, but there's the one that you see while you're there. I'm like, oh, hey, awesome. It's great to see you. Man, we are like best friends now. What is your Instagram? What's your Snapchat? What's like your number? We're going to talk all the time. And then you get home and you forget that person ever existed. You don't snap them. You don't text them. When you see their name on Instagram, you're like, who is this and why am I following them? That's not the relationship that you need with God. There's the second kind of camp friend. That's the one that you got a group chat with, the one that you got a streak with. That's the one whose photo you like every time on Instagram, and when they have an uh, Instagram story, you comment on it. That's the kind of friend that you need to be with God. Again, that's not that much. Sending a streak, that's, that's one photo a day. That's easy. Having that relationship with God, that's praying five, ten minutes a day, being in the Word just a little bit. 
And if you treat him like that, he's going to come in and he's going to do so much more than you thought he could. So I'm running uh, low on time. So I'm going to actually talk about what this encounter is called, which is um, staying together. So Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, discover creative ways to encourage others and motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect, meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the dawning day. So I touched a little bit on this earlier, um, but I'm going to talk about it again, of how important it is to have the right people in your life. And specifically, um, I'm going to talk about these people, because these are the people who went to camp with you who got delivered. These are the people who are going to want to stay delivered. And when they want that, they're going to try and find ways to do it. They're going to pray. They're going to read their Bible. They're going to be motivated. And when they do that, you're going to do that because who you're around is who you're going to be like. So just because I've told you ways that you can go forward, if you go off on your own, you might do it. You might not. It's it's a 50-50. It depends on you. But if you surround yourself with other people who are willing to do what it takes to get closer with God, to have a better relationship with God, then that's just going to drive you and it's going to make, you, it's going to make it so much harder for you to not develop that relationship with God because no one wants to be the odd man out. If everyone's going the same direction, going the same way, it's so much harder to go the other way than them. And that's why if you have a big group of friends who aren't right, who aren't doing the right things, and they're all going one way, you're going to go that way. It's like, you know, if it's just Zod, like I said, if you're by yourself, it's 50-50. Zod, he can go that way, he can go that way. Doesn't matter. That way's good, that way's bad. So Zod could go either way. But if Zod's got Fluzz pulling him this way, bad, and Zod's trying to go this way, good, it's going to be a struggle. And then if Pat comes and Pat Bussy, his brother, grabs his arm, and he also goes bad, Zod doesn't stand a chance. Zod is going all the way over there whether he wants to or not. But the inverse is also the same. If Zod's trying to go bad, but he's got Fluzz by him, and he's got Pat by him, and they're pulling him to the right way, Zod's not going to outpull them. There's no way. Zod's going to get dragged the right direction. <laughs> um, and... When I say, you know, get around the people, I don't mean go start a Bible study with them. You know, when, when say you're hanging around a friend that's got a bad attitude, that's going to rub off on you. But there's not like a bad attitude seminar that you go to where, where they teach you how to have a bad attitude and you come and you're like, oh, I hate everything. That's not, that's not a thing. That's just going to rub off on you by you being around them. The same way that if someone is passionate for God and moving towards God and wants God, that's going to rub off on you by being around them. So here's the thing. The only thing I'm telling you to do right now is hang out together. That's it. Just do stuff. You know, we try and help you with, with we hang out after quarry, and we've been doing stuff on Fridays recently, which is great. But just get together and do stuff. 
that's all that I'm asking you to do because if you are all going in one direction, there's no way that you can fall behind. If all your friends are going the same way, that's the way you're going. And if, if they're going towards God and they're passionate about God and they want a deeper relationship, then that's what you're going to want too. And if you start to fall behind, they're going to pick you up and they're going to drag you with them. Just the same way that if a friend of yours starts to fall behind, you're going to pick them up and you're going to drag them with you. That way we can all move in the same direction together. So in closing, I I'm, I'm recommend doing everything that I said, obviously. Um, but, but the most important part of this, I would say, is when you do it, make sure that you are all doing it together. So. Hey, give it up for Steven. Everything he said was a major key to making your life amazing. It's so good. That's exactly what you need to do. Sometimes we don't want to hear again, like, okay, read my Bible. Okay, pray. Okay, worship. We know to do those things, but, man, when you start doing them, it changes your life. So that was so incredible. Next, we're going to have, we wanted a kind of a guy perspective on this and a girl perspective on this. So please give it up for my friend and my sister, Madeline Barley. going to be amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Morgan. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm going to take a drink of water real fast. Whoa. All right. Hello, everyone. Um, so thank you for Pastor, or thank you to Pastor Jordan for letting me stand up here. Uh, it's always an honor. Who all went to camp? Was it like the best year ever? Because I think it was. Um, so I was asked to speak on keeping your relationship with God fresh and how to move forward with what you've got after camp. And uh, I'm going to jump right into my points because I feel like I'm going to cut it close on time. <laughs> but first off, I am I kind of had the same first point as Stephen. you got to cut the ties to the old things that you got delivered from. And, you know, sometimes that is so hard. And just like Stephen said, it kind of creeps back into your life and you don't even realize it until it's sitting right in front of you. You're like, how did that get there? I thought I dealt with that. And sometimes it's cutting out people. And that's even harder because you love people and it's hard to just cut someone out of your life. That's difficult. But sometimes that's the hard decision you have to make. Pastor Keith said, what you respond to, that's what you're going to get. What are you responding to? And he also said, who you talk to promotes your intelligence or your lack thereof. It goes along with, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who are your friends? Who are you hanging around? Because you're going to turn into whoever you're hanging out with. So my next point is, talk to God about what you got at camp. Now, obviously talk to a leader. I always, after camp, talk to a leader that I trust because I think it's a good idea to talk to someone about it. You need to. Um, but talk to God about it. Yeah. You know, there's no better person to talk to than the person you got it from. Yeah. <laughs> in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, I'm reading the Passion. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Listen to this. Tell him every detail of your life. 
then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. I love the part that says, tell him every detail of your life. Every small detail, no matter how small it is, he wants to know. It makes him happy when you talk to him about the little details in life. And he will make the answers known to you. Make developing your relationship with God your new priority. We all have priorities in life, whether it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, your job, your, you know, making money or whatever. Whatever your priority is, everybody has a main priority, but your relationship with God should be your priority. Whatever you're prioritizing is what you're constantly looking at. What are you looking at? What are you pursuing? So talk to him about it. Read the word. Find new materials. After camp every year, I always look for new materials. It's good to get something new in your system. Reading your Bible is a way of developing your relationship. Pastor Alvin said, life is an open book test. This is the book. Go through life with your book open. It's easy. It's as easy as that. All the answers are in here. My next point is focus on your thoughts and your words. And this is, could be a little touchy, but your words have the power to shape and direct your life. A lot of people don't have a revelation of how powerful your words are, but when you speak, your spirit listens. And this day and age, we're so numb to what we're saying, the way we talk to each other. Just the other day, I was working, I was doing makeup, and there was this, these two girls, and they're best friends. And I was listening to the way they talked to each other, and they were just so hateful. I was like, how, why? And I said something to them, like, why are you being so mean to each other? You're best friends. And they're like, that's just how we talk to each other. Like, why? <laughs> I don't, I would not talk to my best friend like that. My best friend would smack me in the head. <laughs> you know, just the way you talk to each other. But also, how do you talk about yourself? Because your words have power to change things. What are you saying about yourself? I went to Pastor Nancy, or not Pastor Nancy's, I went to the Owings Church with Olivia right after camp, and Pastor Nancy talked a little bit about your words. And she said, every one of us are living the life we're saying. What kind of life are you living? What are you saying? What are you speaking about yourself? What do you say about yourself? Don't say negative things about yourself. Don't talk about how bad you are or how bad you are at something. Don't speak negatively about yourself because you're going to break yourself down. You have to be aggressive about protecting your mind because your thought life is important. In this day and age, our generation is so attacked in our thoughts. The devil is attacking us because he knows we're a generation of world changers. He knows we're about to make a move, and he knows he can't stop us. So he's trying to take us out. You have to be sharp about catching a bad thought or catching anything and casting it down. You have the authority to do that. You just have to walk in it. In this day and age, also suicide and depression. It's the devil attacking us. He wants us to be taken out. He doesn't want you to succeed. You need to learn to plead the blood over your life. You need to learn to say, I'm washed by the blood. Nothing can touch me. Devil, get out of my head. You have no place here. It's as easy as that. 
tell him where to go. <laughs> and this point, I love this point. Walk forward with confidence and boldness. In 2 Corinthians 3.12, says, So then, with this amazing hope living in, a, living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. This generation has also been pressured with fear and tim timidity. You know, the devil wants you to be afraid to talk about what you got. He wants you to be afraid to tell the truth. He wants you to live in the what ifs. What if I tell them about God and they laugh? What if blah, blah, blah? What if blah, blah, blah? He wants you to live in the what ifs. Don't live in the what ifs. They don't matter. <laughs> you have to rise up with boldness about what you have, who you are, and what you're here to do. I've never been like a super bold person. I would say I've kind of been fearful for most of my life, and I realized that about a year ago. And I was like, oh, I got to do something about that. When you have a problem, look for something, look for materials. That's what I do. I like to search for things. And I found this. Whoa. <laughs> I found this. It's from the book, The Blood Speaks. And I couldn't find the actual book, so I printed this off. And I'm going to read this to you guys. I hope this helps somebody. But I read this every day, and I say this out loud. It says, I am the blood of boldness. By me, you can speak boldly. By me, you can preach boldly, pray boldly, and live boldly. Boldly declare who you are, whose you are, what you have, and what you can do by my virtue. You have a right to enjoy God's highest and his best, both now and always. Be bold. I'm the blood of courage. I am the cure for the spirit of fear. I empower the righteous to be as bold as lions and to do great exploits. I say with me in your life, you shall go up at once and possess the land. Do you hear that? That's bold. That kind of talk is bold. People don't talk like that. I just love that. And if you have, if you, if you're fearful about something, find something like this. It makes a difference for me because I've noticed a difference. So find something like that. And if anybody wants a copy of that, I have it. But my last point is stay together. And this kind of goes along with the last one. You know, there's strength in numbers. There's confidence in numbers. Have you ever noticed that, you know, this is a terrible example, but, like, maybe if there's a cute boy, you wouldn't go talk to him by yourself. But if your friends are behind you and they're like, go talk to him, you'd probably walk over because your friends kind of were agging you on. But there's confidence in numbers. <laughs> so stick with your friends because we need each other. We're a family for one thing. I know if I... If I didn't have you guys, I feel like my world would just fall apart. But there's confidence in numbers. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of wrap up a little bit. So cut the ties from those things that were holding you back. Dig them out at the root because if there's anything left, it'll come back. Develop your relationship with God. It's so important. If that relationship is not firm in your life, there's no point. All the other relationships will fall apart. And focus on your thoughts and your words because your words have more power than you even know. Don't let the devil attack your thought life. And be bold. We have to be bold and share the light that's in us. There's so many people looking in the dark and all they need is a little bit of light. 
and stay together because there's confidence in numbers and we're a family. We need to stick together. So that's all I have. <laughs>